The Old Testament reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle reading is taken from Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to rise to hear the Holy Gospel and also to sing the Alleluia verse. Now when Jesus heard about the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to Jesus and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And Jesus said, Bring them here to me. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven, and he said a blessing. And then he broke the loaves and he gave them, gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 basketfuls of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the gospel of the Lord. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Listen to St. Paul's magnificent words once again, Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is our text. In the name of Jesus, our conqueror, Dear friends in Christ, well, a year from now, we will be cheering our homeland athletes competing at the 2024 Summer Olympic Games that will be held from July 26th to August the 11th in Paris, France. We will vicariously experience the devastation of defeat as our athletes fail to perform or to achieve their aspirations. We will also experience the thrill of victory as our homeland heroes finish first and stand atop of the podium with a gold medal hanging around their neck and our national anthem playing, honoring their feet. Now, as I look out over the congregation here today, I don't think any of us will ever have the thrill of competing in the Olympic Games. And almost certainly none of us will win a gold medal in the Olympic Games. But God has promised, God has promised all those that he has chosen that we will have the thrill, the thrill of receiving the gold medal of everlasting life. We will have the pleasure of hearing the majestic angelic choirs chanting hymns of celebration We will see with our own eyes the victory banner of our Lord Jesus Christ raised on high. You don't believe me? Listen to the words of St. Paul that were the basis of the sermon last Sunday where St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 verse 30, those God predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, He is also glorified. Through our Lord, that is on account of Jesus Christ, we stand forgiven before our Lord. Because Jesus Christ lived a life for us, because Jesus experienced the damning death for us, because he rose from the dead for us, Because he ascended into glory for us, we know that in him we have won. 
In today's text, you just heard me read these wonderful words. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Our victory is so complete, it is so overwhelming, it is so final, it is so certain that there's no doubt as to its outcome. But what has Christ conquered for us that makes us victors? Well, Jesus Christ has overcome the curse of sin, our sin, by paying the debt of our sin in full with his blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary. He has disarmed the powers and the authorities, making a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He has bound the devil with the chains of the gospel message, and he has removed the sting of death from us with his own resurrection from the dead. Yes, we are more than conquerors over all of these, our enemies, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, no doubt you have heard the name of the Jamaican Usain Bolt. Bolt is the world's fastest runner. He still holds the best time for the 100-meter race, 9.58 seconds, which he did in 2009 at the World Championship. And during his competitive years, Bolt won 19 gold medals in the Olympics and in the IAAF World Championships, the most in the sport's history. And yet, whenever Bolt got set in the starting block, there was always the possibility that he could lose the race. I mean, he might be disqualified because of a, because of a false start. He might pull up with a hamstring or a cramp. He might be bested by one of the competing world-class sprinters. In fact, Bolt retired after the 2017 World Championships when he finished third in his last solo 100-meter race. Yes, as good as Bolt was, his victory was not a sure thing. But for those of us who are predestined by God, those of us who are called by God, those of us who have been justified by God, those of us who have been glorified by God, our victory is complete. Nothing, nothing in all of creation, St. Paul says, can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing in all of creation, nothing, can make Jesus Christ stop loving us. And you see, this is the privilege of triumph. This is what it means to be one of God's privileged people. And you say, Pastor Schaefer, if I am triumphant, if I'm more than a conqueror over all these things, then why do I so often feel dejected and deflated and defeated? Why do I lack that peace of God the peace of God that my sins are forgiven. Why don't I sense that? Why is the joy of knowing everlasting, that I have everlasting life, why doesn't that fill my heart perpetually? Why is it, Pastor, that I so often feel like a loser? Well, there's probably many reasons for these things. But maybe it's because we can relate better to gold medals like that which are received at the Olympic Games, than abstract, invisible realities. You see, we are all too familiar with the fact that we fail our God each and every day because we don't live those perfect lives that he exhorts us to live. 
we're all too familiar with the sin that we commit each and every day. And that fact overwhelms us so that we forget that we're more than a conqueror over, over sin. We look around us and we see the prevalence of evil, both from within our own heart that comes out in the way that it's manifest in the way that we behave towards other people, but we also see the evil all around us in our society. The news headlines are filled with it day by day. And that prevalence of evil in the world seems to shroud the notion that we are more than conquerors over all things evil. And then we think of, or we have the persistence of aches and pains that we wake up with each and every day. And we're reminded that we are merely mortal people. And that overwhelms the whole sense of being a more than a conqueror over the aches and pains. And then, of course, there's always the presence of death. We know that sooner or later, our names are going to be engraved on a tombstone. It's just a matter of time. And we hear St. Paul say, you're a more than conqueror even over death. And we think, yeah, right. We're all going to die. What does this mean? Michelle Smith was an Irish swimmer who won three gold medals and one bronze medal in the 1996 Summer Olympic Games. Prior to 1996, to those Olympic Games, Smith's best showing had been a finishing of 32nd, 35th, and 26th in the three races in which she won gold. Michelle Smith had not even gotten out of the Olympic pool when some of her opponents and some of the sports analysts accused her and tried and convicted her of cheating, of enhancing her performance with the use of banned drugs, substances. And to this day, 27 years later, suspicion still stands, still hangs over her head, even though the IOC lab failed to find illegal drugs in her system. These accusations, whether they're founded or not, have tainted her accomplishments and to some degree doused the delight of her conquests. That's kind of what our adversaries try to do to us. Our adversaries accuse us of cheating. Our adversaries, and quite frankly even our own consciences, like to taunt us, pointing an accusing finger at us and shouting, Cheater! Cheater, your victory was won by a super-enhanced performer. And that's not fair. Someone else won the victory for you. You had nothing to do with it. And we hear those accusations. And in our case, we know that those allegations ring true, for our victory is completely dependent upon someone else. A super-enhanced performer, if you will, whose name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that reality, as wonderful as it is that we know that we're victorious in Christ, the fact that we do not in some way contribute to that victory may sour the sweet taste of our victory. But friends... Despite the prevalence of sin in our lives and the evil in our lives, 
and the aches and pains in our lives and the trials and tribulations of our life and the fact that death is in our life and the fact that we're constantly accused, please hear this. For all of the blame and the shame, in Christ alone, we stand justified. For all of our enemies' efforts, they can't take the gold medal from us. In and through Jesus Christ, we possess the privilege of triumph. You see, there's a tribunal higher than any other tribunal that overrules all of our opponents' accusations. St. Paul asks, who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. It's God who declares us forgiven and victorious. Who is it that condemns? Well, the one that condemns is Jesus Christ. And who's Jesus Christ? Well, he's the one who died for us. And more than that, who was raised to life for us. And he is the one that's at the right hand of God and who's even interceding for us right now. Yes, our own guilty consciences and our enemies may accuse us of being unworthy of God's love and forgiveness. But Christ silences all of those, those complaints and those accusations. Even when they rightly point the accusing finger at us, our Lord acquits us. Just as we even heard this morning when, we, when you heard me speak the words of absolution. In Christ, your sins are forgiven. Yes, our Savior decrees that we possess the privilege of triumph. When, so when St. Paul asks, who will separate us from the love of Christ? We roar, no one. No one can separate us from the love of Christ. When St. Paul queries, shall troubles or hardships or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword separate us from Christ? We whoop, no way. No way any of those things can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Because in Christ, and in Christ alone, we're more than conquerors over all things. You may ask, well, what does this privilege of triumph mean for my day-to-day -day life? Well, it means that we're not like that 60-year-old woman who was heard to say as she put yet another coin into the slot machine, I might as well try again. Heck, you only live once. That's a pretty sad way to live. No, instead, we're like the woman who was about to undergo delicate, life-threatening surgery, and she said to her pastor, Pastor, isn't it wonderful that this isn't the only life we have? The privilege of triumph means that, like St. Paul, we press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, and we press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called, or which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. The privilege of triumph means that when we experience troubles and hardships in life, that we remember and we live by the advice of St. Paul when he says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. The privilege of triumph means that although we fail miserably every day to achieve the perfect standards that God expects of us, in Christ, we know that our sins are forgiven. We are redeemed. 
And the privilege of triumph means that in spite of our constantly changing and ever-challenging lives, we live with the confident and the sure conviction that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Yes, the privilege of triumph means that even though death is no child's play, and it isn't, we know that in Christ we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, memorize those words. They're glorious words. These past several Sundays, we have focused on some really exciting truths. We have focused on the, Paul's words, and he has reminded us again and again that we are God's privileged people. He gave us the privilege of spiritual rebirth when we were baptized in the waters of holy baptism. And he adopted us into his family, and we are the children of God. And he gave to us his promise of an inher internal inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. is being kept in heaven for each and every one of us. We talked about how as God's privileged people, we are forgiven. So even as we wrestle with the good we don't want to do, and we can't seem to do the good we want to do, yet in Christ we are victorious, for our sins are forgiven through his shed blood. We've talked about being God's privileged people, meaning that we have the Holy Spirit who lives in us, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit works in our lives through his word and sacraments to fortify us in our faith. As God's privileged people, we talked about how we're privileged to suffer. Yes, we're privileged to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ, knowing that our suffering does not mean that God has turned against us, but that in fact, in the midst of our suffering, God assures us that he's ever for us. And as God's privileged people, we've learned that when we do not have the words to pray because we're just so overwhelmed with emotion or whatever it might be, that the Holy Spirit groans and prays on our behalf. And last week you heard that as God's privileged people, that indeed we are chosen. We've been called. We've been justified. We're glorified in Christ. And today, as God's privileged people, we have heard that we are guaranteed victory. Victory over all of our enemies. And as I said early in the sermon, our victory is certain. It is as certain as Christ's own resurrection from the dead and his ascension to glory. Oh, I'm sure it's wonderful to win an Olympic gold medal, to stand on a podium and to hear your nation's anthem being played. But quite frankly, quite frankly, the Olympic medalists can have their medals. We certainly don't need them. For God has promised us an even greater medal. He has promised his people a privilege that one day we will stand on a podium and he will place around our neck, or he will place on our head, the crown of everlasting life. Amen.
And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.